This is the Chester County Real Estate Podcast, bringing you the info you need to make your next move a great one. This show is brought to you by Remax Ace Realty. For show notes and links, go to acerealtypa.com slash podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Chester County Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dominski, and this is the show that gives you the information you need to make your next move a great one. Uh, I'm sitting down again with Jim Whalen, and we're continuing our conversation on some of these listings that are, I don't want to say more difficult, but let's just say the more opportunistic listings, where there's a lot of opportunity if you know where you're what you're doing and if you have the right kind of guide with you. So previously we were talking about REOs. Correct. It was an it's an umbrella term that refers to a couple different forms of ownership, but anything that's not owned by the person who's selling it. Who's really living there? Who's really living there? Right. So we are covering bank-owned properties, government-owned properties, um but there's a couple other things that always come up in conversation. This is why I wanted to continue our previous sure, conversation. Uh, a lot of times, and maybe not in the last couple of years, well, I would say more so in the last couple of years, uh, a lot, maybe 10, 12 years ago, where a buyer would come up to an agent and they would say, hey, I want to I wanna find, where, where's the good deals? Where's all the opportunity? Where where's the thing like, like I wanna I wanna find a, a smart, crafty way to get a great deal on a property because they've watched a couple of YouTube videos, they've read a couple books that were probably written pre two thousand and eight, and it's you know, they're thinking pennies on the dollar type of stuff. And if they just do it the right way, there's going to be this all these they think we're we're hiding the good deals. <laughs> From, from them. Well, that's that's funny you would bring that up. My phone mostly rings, Sean. Yeah. Anytime where there is any kind of how to get rich in real estate <laughs> seminar, either on TV at 2 a.m. or in Philadelphia where they sell $60 a seat tickets to teach you how to buy real estate at a sheriff's sale. Mm-hmm. And my phone rings off the hook for the next five, six days. <laughs> and it can be it can be rewarding if you do your homework. Or it could financially ruin you if you don't. When you buy a property at sheriff's sale, remember you're not only competing with the people in the room, you're competing with the people who own the liens on the property itself. The Wells Fargo's, Fannie Mae's, the Bank of America, the Chase. Okay? They have their own attorneys standing in that room too. Mm -hmm. And they're always very easily identifiable. They're the guys in the really nice suits, red ties, (laughs) carrying a clipboard. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, they're getting paid... X number of dollars, you know, hundreds of dollars an hour. Four seventy-five an hour. So what? Do, what does the sheriff sale look like? <clears throat> You're in well, a courtroom or pre-COVID, something. Pre-COVID, yeah, it was courtroom. Mm-hmm. You would go into, for instance, Norristown was courtroom B. Okay, for an example, and that day of the sale, you'll have a couple hundred people in that courtroom, hmm. and how they read it off is by the tax ID number. 
and I'll open the bids. And the bids are usually meant to cover the foreclosing entity's amount. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, the foreclosing entity will buy the mortgage, will buy the share of sale price. Why would they do that? Because they want to make sure that they still control their asset. They want to control their investment. So let's say there's a house that's an, uh, on share of sale. Mm -hmm. And just looking, it's a $300,000 neighborhood. And you're looking at it and you're like, wow, $150,000 is what's printed on there. That's just what they owe. To the one lien holder. To the one lien holder. Um, so first of all, you might not get it. Well, I guess it could go for, for any price, but it's not necessarily, it's going to start at it's, 150. It's going to start at 150. It won't go free. Right. Okay. Before you go to the sheriff's sale, if there's a property you like, what you really should do is call a reputable and efficient title company mm -hmm. and ask them to give you a bring down, a quick search on the property so you see what liens are on that property. Maybe there's only that lien. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's that lien and property taxes. Worst case scenario, it's that lien, it's property taxes, and a notation IRS. Hmm. If the IRS is involved in any property, forget about it. <laughs> Well, what does that mean? They didn't pay their income tax or Correct. they're being Usually, audited? Or... They're being audited. Mm -hmm. Assets are being seized mm -hmm. um, or frozen, and the IRS will get their due. When the IRS gets involved in a share of sale, just let the IRS. You're not going to win. I think, what was it, 87000 <laughs> agents yeah. <laughs> is what the number was a couple of weeks ago. Correct. So that they're that they're expanding over the right. next 10 years. So, I mean, I don't want to get too dramatic here, but small army might kind of... <laughs> Correct. When the IRS gets involved in a foreclosure process, the IRS gets paid first. Mm -hmm. The primary lien holder gets paid second. And everybody else gets paid what's left. The IRS will always get their due. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's why you always want to do a lien search mm -hmm. before you go to bid. It'll save you a considerable amount of money and anguish. I have known people who have bought foreclosures at sheriff's sale, started work on it, only to get the knock on the door saying, thank you for doing the work on the property I own. Oh, man. Because they didn't cover all the liens. Or they didn't realize the IRS also owns the property. Mm -hmm. You have some opportunities to get some of your investment back. But you will not get it all back. Okay. And it'll be years before you get it. Mm -hmm. Always do a lien, a lien search before you bid. Okay. So I remember back in 08 or so, you know, when these things were happening a little bit more frequently, and that's kind of what they said. You're like, mm -hmm. ah, you can go there. You can see it. Not only do you not really be able to see the property at all, 
uh, you, you're not doing any kind of inspections on the property. No. It's completely as is. You're, you're not even allowed on the property? Most of the times you're not allowed on the property. And if you do get the property, you might even have to do an eviction. Okay. Right. You know, if it's a rental, renters have rights. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter if they weren't paying. They still have an active contract. Mm-hmm. Renters have rights. If it's considered a squatter situation, or it's a former owner, they have some rights, which is usually a 60 to 90 day process in Chester or Montgomery County mm-hmm. for removal. City of Philadelphia is a little bit different. If it's about a two year process. At worst case scenario. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> that stings a little bit. <laughs> it can sting and be very expensive because you're right. holding an asset that you can't do anything with. Mm-hmm. So basically what I was told was, you know, the bank sends their people. They sit there and they just bid what, what's owed on the property. Are there any situations where the bank's not going to show up or they're not going to do that? Have you seen anything like that well, or experienced that? There are those experiences. Yeah. Twice a year, Chester County and Montgomery County. Mm-hmm have tax sale auctions. Okay. Okay. Um, it's usually month of, end of September, beginning of October. And those are all properties who own back taxes. If it's 2022, it's to back taxes from 2019. Okay. Okay. That's your best opportunity at a sheriff's sale. Do your homework. See what liens are on the property. If there are no liens... It'll go for whatever amount the hammer goes at that sale. Okay. Now, just to shift gears a little bit, mm-hmm. I also wanted to talk about pre-foreclosure homes. Okay. And now we're like... I f- and you're I, starting to see them coming on the market now. Yeah. And I feel like we're kind of working our way backwards. So, you know, we have the REO, then we have the share sale. Now let's talk about the pre-foreclosure homes. This commonly we refer to as short sale. Yes. And this is when the amount owed on the house is more than what the house is worth. Something we haven't quite seen in the last few years. But again, if you've been in the industry and you've been through a couple of these cycles, you know it's only a matter of time. It's actually a matter of time that you're going to be seeing them probably more often Mm -hmm. with the market that we're now coming out of. Mm -hmm. Where people, families, couples were bidding 100000 over asking price. Mm-hmm. Now they realize the situation has turned into a war of the roses or someone has lost a job mm-hmm. or job change and they need to move. Right. And they're maxed out. There's no value left in the property because of the amount that they've paid. Mm-hmm. So they have to go with the market price. It's up to the bank to say, or the lien holder, to say yes or no, we will accept that price. Mm -hmm. If the seller has assets like a 401k, uh, savings accounts, anything else that could be liquefied, Mm -hmm. they would be expect to make up the difference. Mm -hmm. Nine times out of ten, they really don't have much. And the bank just has to accept it. 
the bank's insurance will cover their loss, or the federal government will if it's a government-backed loan. So if the bank's covering the loss and, you know, there's or, – or the owner is, is pulling from assets, there is a lot of opportunity for a, home, for a buyer there can to be. get in there. Now, it is a longer wait. Yeah. It's not going to be a 60- or 90-day wait. Sometimes it could be up to six months. Yes. Now, that's longer than like an REO. Correct. Because often, especially if you're the first offer on that, that's been accepted by the, the homeowner, it now has to be approved by the bank or someone from the bank. It has to be approved by an officer of the bank. Mm-hmm. What they do is they order their own independent appraisal. Mm-hmm. They order a title report. They also order the current property occupant, current owner, to provide all financial information. Okay. And they're very specific about that. It's just like redoing a mortgage loan. Is this being done before the house hits the market? It should be. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, it does not. Okay. Can a... Can an agent list a house or an owner list a house with an agent if they haven't been approved for a short sale? They do. Yeah. They do. Because sometimes the bank will say, have you listed the home? Okay. They want to know if it is active on the market. The listing agent will have to provide what's called a CMA or comparables mm-hmm. to show that this is what's a picture of the current market for that home. There will still be an appraisal ordered. There will still be a title search order. Mm-hmm. There will still be the financials. If they do it beforehand, before they put it on the market, it will get settled quicker. Right. And this is all stuff that, I mean, this is where having an experienced buyer's agent comes into play because you want to know where in the process of the short sale they currently are. <clears throat> you want to have an experienced buyer's agent who will guide you through this process for sure. Mm-hmm. You also really want an experienced listing agent Mm -hmm. who understands the short sale process, who can hold the seller's hand, because it could be the most scary thing in their life as well. It will be the most traumatic, because they're opening pretty much all their personal life Mm -hmm. to their financer. Okay? When you do that, you have to have a certain ability to be non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. as a buyer's agent as well because they're going to be that bank will be asking for the finances the mortgage approvals the BFI down monies from the buyer okay. and the buyer has to be willing to accept that if you're willing to cooperate on both ends it can be a very smooth and quick process with experienced and well-trained agents mm-hmm an agent should never be combative when you're dealing with a short sale. The goal is to get the property sold and a new owner inside. The agent should get along with one another. The buyer and the seller should communicate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have to. Mm-hmm. Just on the idea of the length of time. It has to be kept cordial and efficient. And that's just some of the, I guess, the surface of how to get Correct. the short sale done. I mean, that's kind of like the 
the first thing you need to do is have good communication and relationship with the person that you're doing the deal with. Correct. Because you're going to be in for a ride. Having you're going to be a long-term relationship. <laughs> now, the other point, there are, there are lawyers that are called negotiators okay. for short sales, and this is all they do. They will charge the buyer a fee, their legal fees, to help the bank and the boss seller negotiate. Man, now I'm having PTSD from like 2012 because I remember Correct. this was this was the big deal. It's you know it's and agents you know behind closed doors would have these conversations. Well, do you do you, do you do you negotiate your own short sales or do you hire someone to do your that? Or, well, well, I always hire someone because it's just easier because I deal with so many. And then the other person would be like, well, I I know what I'm doing, so why would I give my you know blah blah blah? Or I just charge it to the buyer, mm-hmm. I charge it to the seller. Well, they don't have any money. And there's going to be a time in the not so distant future where we're going to be having these conversations again. We will, we will. So, what would be the pros and cons of bringing in a negotiate a short sale negotiator? Well, when you as a seller, when you negotiate, when you, if you are recommended by the bank to get a negotiator, mm. okay, you want to see who their list is, who works well with that bank. Okay. All right. Or which attorney takes their toys and goes home? Mm. I've had situations on the buyer end where the negotiator stopped talking to the bank. Hmm. It was either over fees or conditions or timing that the negotiator said, I'm out. You're on your own. Hmm. So you want to make sure you get a good and seasoned negotiator and a negotiator that works well and has the contacts with the bank, the lien holder of the short sale, if you're going that route. Now, have you have you brought in negotiators to deals in the past? I have done it twice. I've worked with very poor negotiator the first time mm-hmm. who was collecting the fee from the seller, and they pretty much took every dime the seller had. Then they let it go to... Then they let it go, the sale go. Mm-hmm. And just believe it or not, in January, I worked as a buyer end mm-hmm. with a negotiator for a seller who did an excellent job, mm. who knew how to work the system. It was a local bank, mm-hmm. a local attorney, and they handled pretty much everything. And even for a bonus for the buyer, paid for the title search. And all the certifications, the tax certs, the water certifications were paid Mm -hmm. by the bank itself, the lien holder, that were no out-of-pocket for the buyer. Wow. Which was a nice effect. Yeah. But the buyer also was charged $5,800 from the negotiator. Mm -hmm. Have you negotiated your own short sales in the past? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Um. Most banks, believe it or not, have something called a portal. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, it's just like our MOS system when we're adding a listing in, mm-hmm. that you add all the information and you upload the documents. Mm-hmm. And you talk directly to the asset manager who's handling the short sale. And everything is timing. Mm-hmm. They ex- if they say they want it on Tuesday, make sure they have it on Monday. Mm. The faster the information comes, the faster you'll get your response. 
Mm-hmm. That's on your end. So yeah. if they ask for something, you get it to them as quick as possible, even though you might not get a response for another usually, day or two, Actually, they're usually required to respond within 72 hours. Okay. That's good. That sounds like something that was implemented after, it was implemented after the pitchforks came out and finally correct. someone did something about it. So correct. Um, so there is there is there is opportunity in short sales. Um, would you agree that this for the for most buyers, it's a good way to go. It can be a good way to go if you're willing to wait. If you're willing to wait, okay. All right, you got to be willing to wait. You got to have some extra cash on hand. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you know a short sale is a person who doesn't have any money to do repairs. Right. Okay. But there's more financing options than an REO or a share Considerably sale. more. Okay. Considerably more. And also because of that, you're going to find people who are more experienced in that too. Correct. So, Correct. I mean, after someone's been through a couple markets, you can kind of get a more broader perspective. Correct. Not saying that if someone hasn't – you know, not saying if someone hasn't been an agent in those markets, they don't already have that perspective, but at least having some sort of source or someone they can go back to is good to know, too. You always have to be able to have a reference point. Mm. All right. I was an agent during 9-11. All right. For three months after 9-11, there was no, no transactions. Right. I mean, the market just stopped like the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. At least in our country, a lot of things stopped. People were concerned. People were worried. Mm-hmm. In 2008, August of 2008, I had six transactions. Mm-hmm. The next morning, I was down to two because <laughs> the lenders disappeared. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess if, if there's no lender anymore, I guess. There's the- no lender. <laughs> there's no mortgage. I mean, those were the things that happened. Mm. You know? And then you had a real slowdown, and slowly the market has picked up. It walks like a snowball coming downhill. Mm-hmm. We're at the big – we're at pretty much, I think, at the end of the big snowball. Mm-hmm. But what happens? The snowball hits, and it breaks apart in the little snowballs and starts working its way up again. I feel like there's so much more to, to talk about, but a lot of this stuff is going to, to – a lot of this stuff is going to depend on personal situations and individual situations. It always is. The thing with real estate is that every piece of property, it's just like people. Every single piece of property is different. And they're all it unique. Is. And a lot of times these deals have their own unique set of challenges. And They all have their own set of legs. Yeah. Yeah. So with that said, what's the best way that people can get a hold of you? If they have any questions or want to explore this world of REOs and short sales. Well, they can always contact me here at Ace, mm-hmm. Remax Ace Realty, or they can contact me directly by email at jameswhalen at remax.net. All right, great. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you it. very much. Thanks for listening. This has been the Chester County Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Remax Ace Realty. Serving buyers and sellers in the Chester County area. Subscribe for new episodes at acerealtypa.com slash podcast. And you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and wherever podcasts are found.
This episode is brought to you by REMAX Ace Realty in Downingtown, PA. Whether you're looking to buy or sell a home, we have a real estate expert for you. Search for homes or contact an agent at acerealtypa.com.